I mentioned that Cindy Johnston is here. Pastor Darius and Cindy were with us back on Friend Day in April, uh, just as Pastor Mike's guest. And uh, you heard a little bit from Pastor Darius on that day. And today you're going to hear from his other half, his better half. And he is away ministering. They have transitioned out of pastoral ministry at Movement City Church in Fort Worth. And so she, while she's with us today, he's pa- preaching somewhere else. So they're unable to, to, he's unable to be here. But I know that you're going to be challenged by the word that she's going to bring. And um, our connection with this family goes way, way, way back. My, you know, my dad pastored. Darius's grandparents when I was a little bitty boy, long, long, long time ago. They used to bring us fruits and vegetables from their garden <laughs> when I was a little kid. But uh, connection with his family goes way back, and, and I know that uh, you're going to be blessed by her ministry. God has certainly used them in a very powerful way and continues to use them in a very powerful way. But before she comes, take just the next 90 seconds and take a look at this video. Today is a beautiful day of celebration, a day to honor the women who've shaped us, nurtured us, and walked us through life. It's a day to say thanks to all the moms. Moms with toddlers tearing through the house, and moms whose babies have moved away. Moms who are doing this all by themselves, and moms who loved child in need. Moms who have suffered unimaginable loss and moms whose children are moms themselves. For all the times your love made things better and the moments your wisdom made things clear. For the way you lived as an example so we could see Jesus through you. For each and every memory that has lit the path we walk we say thank you Whether this is a day of celebration, reflection, or heartache, know that you are loved. Happy Mother's Day. Amen. Would you put your hands together and welcome Cindy Johnston as she comes this morning. Good morning. What a privilege to be here with you, and look at all the beautiful ladies out here today. Happy Mother's Day. You know, that is one of the greatest titles I hold. Ooh, okay. That was a perfect timing. (laughs) Being a mom, though, is a blessing, and um, I'm so thankful to have a family, and behind me are... On the left is my youngest son, Brendan, and his wife, Margie, and my two granddaughters, Willow and Waverly. And on the right side is my son, Brock, and his wife, Summer, and their daughter, Daisy and Carver. And then my husband, my handsome husband, Darius. Um, This is the first Mother's Day, actually, that he and I have been apart So it felt kind of strange, but we're kind of used to the fact that, as Brent was saying, um, we don't celebrate, we celebrate holidays at church, but we were working, so usually we do it on a different day. But I'm just honored that Pastor Mike asked me to share with you today, and I believe God has put something on my heart to share with you. Uh, before I get into my message, though, I wanted to share this cute card that my husband got me f- 
for Mother's Day. This is very typical of our marriage. To my wife, since it's Mother's Day, you just relax. Ha ha. I'll take care of everything. By the way, where is everything? <laughs> We've been married almost 40 years. He still doesn't know where the measuring cups are. So uh, I said, you are a brilliant man, and you can remember numbers of the church. I mean, he's, he is kind of a math wizard, but he could remember any number of the church or anywhere anything is. But when he comes home, I don't know if he turns his brain off or what, but I guess that's why I'm there. I'm his helpmate. <laughs> okay, thank you for that. <laughs> Um, what a beautiful presence of God in this place today. Um, don't you just sense that? It's just beautiful. And there are miracles in this house, I believe, for many of you today. My topic um, that the Lord placed on my heart was the topic of expectations. Because I find it ironic that anyone who's a mom in here you remember the days of when you found out you were expecting. And along with that, finding out you're going to have a baby comes with that questions and many expectations. I know for me, I had some grandiose expectations of things that I was, my children were going to be, but I did have a lot of questions like, well, do I need to have a nursery for a girl or a boy? Because when I was having children, sonograms weren't real clear because my second child was supposed to be a girl, and he's a boy. So you really couldn't take a sonogram uh, at its word. Um, I wondered about ha having a boy or a girl, if I would be a good mom. Certainly, I we both recognize that we were having a hard enough time with just the two of us. So when you add one more mouth to feed, would we, we even be able to afford this? I wondered, would my child love me? You know, would I be a good mom? And then the one crazy question I had is, will labor hurt? All you mom know. All you moms know. Yes, it hurts. Um, but the expectations I had were that my children would be perfect. Um, that when I would get them dressed on Sunday morning and I would have my new dress for Easter, that they weren't going to spit up all over me and themselves and us have to do that whole routine again before we got to church at 8.45. And by the way, I went by myself because my husband went an hour and a half earlier. So I wondered about that. My, another expectation is that my children would never have runny noses, that that was not going to happen, and they would not have a binky. Well, we did have a binky for till there were two, I had the expectations that my children would be independent, but that they would obey what my thoughts might be on any given situation. Wrong expectation. 
My children will be courteous, intelligent, charming, and loved by all. Didn't happen. <laughs> What's a funny thing is my expectations for my children. If you put every good quality that I have with every good quality of my husband, they would not meet the expectations that I had. I had these they were too big of expectations. But as we all recognize, our children, which God's children, which is you as well, that we are all uniquely created by God. We're fearfully and wonderfully made. He has a purpose and a plan and destiny for every single life. He created you, and he loves you. He's crazy about you, and he loves you so much. But as an earthly mother, I know that I look at things different than my Heavenly Father looks at. And our Heavenly Father has expectations for us as well. And some of those I would like to share with you today. The first expectation is that he wants us to serve without expectation when we serve in Matthew chapter 20 verse 25 through 28 Jesus is speaking to his disciples regarding the people that are ruling over other people and Jesus says to them but among you it will be different whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant and whoever wants to be first among you must become your willing and humble slave. For even me, the Son of God, came not to be served, but to serve. And you think about throughout the New Testament, when Jesus came onto the scene, he fed people. 5,000. I've never done that. He went and spoke with a woman at the well that others had shunned. They had decided that she had lived too much of a life, but he went and spoke to her in her hurt and in her pain and even in her sin. He was willing to serve her. He was willing to love her. You might say, well, I don't really have any gifts to be able to serve others. Well, I, I would beg to differ with that. 1 Peter 4.10 says, God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to what? To serve one another. I believe serving does look different for every person. And one of the gauges that I use for myself, because I can be really selfish. Society can be really selfish, very self-absorbed. And on our social media accounts, we post only the absolute best pictures of ourselves. I mean, who is going to post a picture that you think you look just crazy in? I'm not. But it's that issue of we, we put up a front that we're something many times that we're not. And 
that can be a very selfish thinking. And I believe it's imperative as Christians that we not live a life that is that selfish thinking. And serving others gets us out of that. But my gauge for seeing if I'm doing a halfway decent job is I ask myself the question, am I meeting the needs of others or am I meeting my own needs and wants? For example, go to the grocery store. I'm standing in line with my 10 items, and behind me is a mom with three small children, a basket full of, of groceries, but her three children are crying. One's pulling, one's doing something else. And I notice that because the children are crying, and I kind of look behind me and see that, she needs someone to help her right now. So do I say, you know what, why don't you go in front of me? Let me take your groceries out of the cart for you. And you go in front of me. I'm not in a hurry. I'm fine and serve her in that way. What about at when you go home today and you pull in your driveway and you for the fifth or sixth time this week, You've looked at your neighbor's yard and you are so disgusted at their yard, the way they keep their yard. It just, weeds are growing and it's just unsightful to you because you keep such a nice yard. How about thinking perhaps they don't have a mower, perhaps they don't have the funds to get gas if they do have a mower, or it's a single mom that doesn't have time. How about next time you go out to mow your yard, you say, I'll go ahead and mow theirs while I'm at it. That's what I'm talking about in serving, in serving in your community. I know your church does so much in your community, and I'm so grateful for that, and I applaud you for that. But people, everyday people, as we go about our life, need someone to stop and notice them. And sometimes I think the fault definitely, well, many times lie, the fault lies on me because I try to either cram too much into my day to where I don't give time for God moments, God opportunities that are right there before me, that I've got to begin to put that into my life, into my schedule. And you say, well, I don't, I mean, my schedule, schedule is already packed. I do understand that. But I believe that God will multiply your time as you stop for five minutes to help someone else in need. So serving is something we should do without expectation. Mother Teresa gave a beautiful quote that says, not all of us can do great things, but we can do some things with great love. So I challenge you today to do something small with great love. So we serve without expectations and we forgive without expectations. Ephesians 4, 31 and 32 says, Make a clean break 
with all cutting, backbiting, profane talk. Be gentle with one another, sensitive. Forgive one another as quickly and thoroughly as God in Christ forgave you. When I read that verse, and I, th I thought over the years that I've come to altars just like this, knelt before the Lord and confessed my sin, whether it had been a, a bad motivation, words that I had spoken, been unkind to someone, and I would kneel right there and just say, Lord Jesus, thank you for shedding your blood for my sins, and Father, I ask that you would forgive me of those sins. And you know, I had no doubt in my mind that was done in a second. God forgave me of what I had done. And I look back at the times that I needed to forgive, and I did not forgive that quickly. I don't know about you, but when someone offends me, or hurts me, I'm a processor, which that can be an excuse as well. I like to process through things and play it over it in my mind, but God, God forgives instantly. And the thing about forgiveness is when you don't forgive, you are holding yourself hostage. It's like putting a noose around your neck that's lightly just hanging around your neck and one year goes by and you're still angry at that family member that hurt you that Thanksgiving that was rude to you and didn't ask you to bring your famous pumpkin pie or that co-worker that you're still mad at that you sit by every single day and with passing at the passing of time that noose just gets a little bit tighter a little bit tighter and before long it really starts affecting you it affects your heart it affects your breathing it affects everything about you and unforgiveness is the same thing unforgiveness is holding yourself hostage and I think I don't know what our human understanding, why our human understanding does this, but it's as though if I'm angry and holding unforgiveness, somehow that's affecting you, you know, the person that offends me, that they are so affected by that that they can't sleep, they can't do anything because of me not forgiving them. Well, I have news for myself as well as you. They're going on with their life while I sit here and choose to hold on to unforgiveness. But as the scripture says, it's important for us to, to forgive as quickly as God forgives us. And trust me, you will have freedom in that. Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. says, made this statement, forgiveness is not an occasional act. It is a constant attitude. I want to live with an attitude of forgiving quickly. Life is too short. There's too much living to do to live in that state. <clears throat> Excuse me. 
We serve without expectation, forgive without expectation, and love without expectation. Romans 12, 9 from the message version says, love from who the center of who you are. Don't fake it. Love from who this from the center of who you are. And if you wonder what love is, or if you're showing love, you can always look to 1 Corinthians 13. So when I'm asking myself, am I really showing love? I have to ask myself, am I patient? Am I kind? Do I envy? Do I boast? Am I proud? Do I dishonor others? Am I self-seeking? Am I easily angered? Do I keep records of wrongs? Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices in the truth. Love always protects, always trusts, always hopes, and always perseveres. That means you don't give up. You're not going to give up on someone and withhold love from them because of something petty, because of something that just didn't go your way. We've got to serve, forgive, and love. When I was 13 years old, I was a happy-go-lucky teenager. I turned 13 on November the 18th, and I felt like I was going to just feel so different, and I so didn't. (laughs) I didn't feel any older or more mature or anything. But I had grown up in a pastor's home. Um, I absolutely loved the church. The church was my family. We never, of course, missed a service Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. And my favorite, favorite service was Sunday nights because we always had a lingering time at the altar. Does anybody remember those days? Okay. Yeah, where we would stay maybe 30 or 45 minutes and... We wouldn't get home on Sunday nights till 10.30 or 11. And no wonder I was so sleepy on Mondays at school. (laughs) Maybe that's why I didn't make the best grades. Um, But church was a a place, a haven for me. And um, so many people poured into my life. I loved it. And my dad, we moved often. about every two and a, two two to three years, I guess, um, and that's what I was accustomed to. But on New Year's Eve after my birthday, on November the 18th, um, I was home by myself, and I, we had a knock at the door. I went to the door and answered the door, and it was one. It was my mom's uh, best friend. And she asked me, is your mom home? And I said, no, she's not here right now. I think she's at the grocery store, but when she gets home, I'll let her know that you've come. And she said, okay. She got in her car and left. Another five or ten minutes passed, and uh, pretty soon my dad was walking in the door, and which was very strange because he normally got home at five minutes till five. We had dinner at five o'clock. 
And he came in and he didn't look right. I knew something was wrong and I immediately began to feel anxiety and fear. I just couldn't imagine what was wrong. And he walked in and he said, Cindy, I need you to sit down beside me. And I said, okay. So I sat down. My dad began to read a letter to me that he had found um, at our church in the parking lot with my mom's car and her checkbook, the keys to her car, and this letter. And in the letter she said that she had to leave and that she did not want to be a part of our family anymore. Granted, I never saw my parents fight. I never saw, heard them argue. I mean, that is the honest to God's truth. I never saw any of that. So when my dad told me that, I said, well, Dad, where did she go? He said, I don't know. And the devastation that gripped my heart as a 13-year-old girl, was so difficult. And the worst, absolute worst thoughts started coming through my mind. Like, if my mom can't love me, how could anyone? If I'm not worth taking, I must not have any worth. I began going through my mind to find out what I had done that would make her leave. And I didn't understand. I had never known anyone that was divorced at that time. I I was in a bubble for sure. But my dad left the church where he was. They didn't want him to leave, but he felt that it was the right thing to do. I remember actually the afternoon that my dad read the, the letter to me and told me my mom was gone. We had church that night, and as good pastors do and their kids, We put the smiles on our face, and we went to church. And as I sat there and began to just cry, and I was so ashamed and so embarrassed to think if people only knew they wouldn't want anything to do with us because we're marked. We're marked for life. And... Within a a few months, depression started just setting in at such a level that they put me on all kinds of medications for depression, which really just sedated me. And I was, I dreaded even waking up the next day. 
I can't say that I was ever suicidal. I wasn't, but I didn't want to live. I kept thinking, if, if I could just talk to her and tell her that I'll clean the house, and if maybe if I vacuum for her, or if I cook, or if I do this, maybe, because I took that upon myself, and my dad was hurting, my brother was hurting. We moved to St. Louis, Missouri, and we didn't go to church because I guess just the embarrassment and feeling like no one could possibly understand. And we decided, my dad, one Sunday morning, he called the doctor and he said, she's not better and I don't know what to do. And he said, well, the next step would be take her to a psych ward. So my dad took me to um, a psych ward in a hospital, with, which was for adults. And I felt the most lonely that I'd ever felt in my life. I literally thought that I was going to go crazy because I didn't feel that I belonged. But I felt so alone because I had no one. No one to hold my hand and say it's going to be okay. No one to assure me it wasn't my fault. And even though I cried out to God, I tried to quote every verse that I knew, I felt such despair. The hospital called my dad and they told him that they felt like the best thing for me would be shock treatments. And my dad just said, no, we're not doing that. And he said, I'll take her home. So he took me home and I was still very lethargic and um, had been taking so much medication that I was sleepy most of the time. But one particular Sunday morning, he said, we're going to have church at home. So we gathered in my dad's little part, uh, bedroom on the floor. And he said, Cindy, I want you to look at me. Reggie, I want you to look at me. No matter what has happened to us, we have to believe that the word is true. And what Jesus did on Calvary paid for sin, it paid for healing, and we still believe that. Now, I listened, wasn't so sure I believed that, but he got little juice and little crackers for us to take communion together. And I remember as I sat there for probably the first time in my life, as I held that cup and I held that bread, I remember saying, you did this for me. So my dad read the scripture, we took the cup, we took the bread. And all I can tell you is 
close my eyes and from the top of my head all the way to the soles of my feet, I felt a warm, it was like a blanket almost, that wrapped around me. And I lifted my hands and I began to pray in tongues which I know was saying everything to God that I didn't know in English how to say, was pouring my heart out to him. And after I did that, I just began to sing this old song. You may know it. It goes like this. He is Lord. He is Lord. He has risen from the dead, and he is Lord. Every knee shall bow, every tongue confess that Jesus In my eyes. I looked at my dad and I said, Dad, God has touched me. And I said, I want to throw all that medication away. I don't recommend that for anyone just like, but I did. And God began a gracious healing in my life. The rejection that I felt, I'd never felt in my whole life. And being rejected by your mother really does something very difficult. But God is faithful. That six months, that's what I took you through is about six months, was truly hell on earth. But God began that work. And you know, it's been a process over 40 years. But I didn't see my mom for seven years. And, but God, God's timing is perfect. And when the time was right, I did. And I had it in my heart that I wanted my children to know my mother. It didn't matter what she did. When she left, she left with another, another man that was one of her friend's husbands. And what she did was so wrong. But as I've talked about today, serving, forgiving, loving, it was necessary for me to forgive her because it was holding me hostage. It was necessary that I love her because what I began to see as well, I, I would look at her and recognize her blood runs through my veins. 
I don't want her to hurt the way that she's hurt me. And I want to restoration. But my children grew up knowing my mother is Meemaw. And about 10 years ago, God, she lived in Arkansas, and she moved ten, within 10 minutes of my house for five years. And um, but she got very sick. And I was able to, by God's grace, I was able to care for her and love her and honor her and her throughout uh, the, the life when I became a mom till her last breath, God allowed me to be an extension of his love and my love to her. And I got to care for her for the last six weeks of her life. I got to love on her take care of her, fight for her. And after she took her last breath, the Holy Spirit just put in my heart, I gave you a gift, Cindy. I gave you the gift that you were able to take care of your mother and do something for her that she could never do for you. And that was so such a beautiful thought to me of closure that I had honored her the Bible doesn't say to honor your parents if they've been perfect because I would not receive any honor whatsoever because I'm not perfect I always worried that I would be like my mom that something would come over me and all of a sudden I would leave my family and that was something that I had to be delivered from to realize that although her blood runs through my veins, generational curses can be broken off of you. And that generational curse was stopped with me. I'll tell you when it happened, I was driving my kids around to soccer or something and I didn't put this together in my mind, but one of my sons was 15 and one was 13, and we were riding, and I had this urge that I had to tell them something. And so I pulled off the side of the road, put it in park, turned around and looked at them, and they were like, what did we do? Like they thought they were in trouble. And I, with tears rolling down my face, I said, I have to tell you. I will never leave you, and I love you. And I said, Mom, why are you saying that? I said, I, I just need you to know, because I never told them anything about my, what my mom had done. But I believe at that moment when I made that statement to them that that curse over my family of desertion of rejection was broken. And you can do the very same thing. Sometimes it's just the words that we speak. Those positive things that we say and believe and trust God for, and he will do it. My last point is all the other points are to do without expectation, but I encourage you today to pray with expectation.
We serve a God that can do immeasurably more than you can ever ask, think, or imagine. He is a miracle-working God. He is a God who forgives. He is a God who heals. He is a God who sets people free from any bondage they have. 1 John 5, 14 and 15 says, This is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we have asked him for. It's not enough to just pray. You have to follow it up with expectation, with a knowing that God not only heard you because you prayed according to his will, but that the answer is coming in his perfect time. Do you believe that? Amen. Would you bow your heads with me? One of the most important things that I came here today for is to let you know that God loves you. Some of you, this might be your first time here, and perhaps you came because you wanted to make your mom happy. sent his son to the world to die for our sins because we are imperfect. He was perfect. He never sinned on this earth. But he came and shed his blood for your sins. And if you would like to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior and give you a new start, you can begin again. He will give you an abundant life. And so today, is there anyone, if you would just lift your hand so that I can know to pray for you. If you would like to receive Jesus today as your Lord and Savior, I'd like for you to lift your hand. And I won't embarrass you, but I'd love to pray for you. Thank you. God sees your hand. Jesus, this is the pastor, one of the pastors of this church, and I know that he will be one of the ones that will help walk you through this. So would you pray for them, please? I want to ask everyone in the room to repeat this prayer after me. And those that raised your hand, we would love to meet with you following service, connect with you. But everyone in the room, just repeat this prayer after me. Dear Heavenly Father, I know I'm a sinner. I need a Savior. This morning, I recognize that fact. And I ask you, Jesus, to 
come into my heart to cleanse me and to make me new. Your word declares that the old has passed away and all things have become new. And today, I declare you're my Lord, my Savior, and my Master. And from this point forward, I purpose in my heart to live my days to honor and please you. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name. Powerful, powerful word. someone to pray with you in agreement for being able to forgive. I encourage you to come today and we would love to pray for you. So where, where do they need to go? Yeah, if, if our prayer team would come, those that are, are part of that team would come and just, you guys know what to do. Come line up across the front. And again, as Cindy said, any need that you have, we would love to meet with you this morning and pray with you. So as these begin to come, just begin to step out. In fact, would you stand with me across this place? We're going to sing a song. And as you feel prompted, would you come and just join with these down front? As we just worship here the next couple of moments. If you know it, sing it with us. For he is Lord. He is Lord. He has risen from the dead, and He is Lord. Every Thank you. 
to sing it just one more time. It's not too late. If you want to come, please join us. For your my Lord, you're my Lord. You have risen. encourage you. We're going to dismiss those that need to go or free to. Don't want to interrupt what the Lord is doing in the altars. We'll continue for the next few moments to worship together. But again, if you have a need and you want someone to agree with you, these altars will remain open for the next few moments. So please, please come. Let us join with you. On your way out, ladies, we do have a treat for you at each exit on your way out. So please, uh, grab you one as you go. And also, let me very quickly remind you, our FAM ministry, family and marriage ministry, I think I failed to mention this earlier, they'll be meeting next Saturday for an out-of-school bash out at the barn, 2001 Malone Road, out east of Cleburne. So that is a ministry that is geared at our families with children. So uh, we would love parents, single parents, doesn't matter if you're married or not, we would love to have you participate in that. And then also next Sunday, uh, Pastor Mark will be sharing a word specifically for our seniors. Um, we'll be honoring our, our high school and college grads next week, so they'll have tables set up in the lobby. And uh, we'll take some time to honor those guys, so be faithful next Sunday as well. May the Lord bless you as you go. Let me just pray a quick prayer of dismissal over you as you go. Father, thank you for your word. Lord, I just thank you so much that you have sent your servant for such a time as this. Lord, I pray that as we leave this place, not only have we heard your word, but that we would apply it in our hearts and lives, and Lord, that it would change us from the inside out, that we would not be the same from this point forward. Thank you for those that prayed the prayer of salvation. And Lord, we know that there's rejoicing in heaven today for those that prayed that prayer. Now I pray that you would go with each one of us as we leave this place today, again, for our team that's traveling this week, that you would bless them, that you would keep them safe, keep them healthy, and bring them back next weekend, Lord, refreshed in their bodies and in their spirits. And just give us a great remainder of the day, a great week this week, and bring us back Wednesday night, again, next Sunday, ready to worship you and lift up your name in this place. We thank you for it. We give you the praise, the glory, and the honor. In Jesus' name, we all said amen. God bless you as you go. For he is Lord. He is Lord. He has risen from the dead. And he
Thousand different ways. 